You're listening to episode 190 of the Fitz Pro podcast. And if today's episode does sound a bit more echoey, I apologize. I have not yet set up a better sound system in my office since we moved into our house. Um, my office is very echoey. It has big windows. It has a vaulted ceiling, which is all lovely, but terrible for sound control. So I really like high quality sounding podcasts. Um, so if it is echoey, I apologize. Hopefully it is not too bad and we can get through this together without much distraction. So today's episode is kind of a mashup, um, but also like a consolidation of lessons from watching UFC athletes, CrossFit, and the Olympics from a sporting and movement standpoint. That is what we're diving into today. This should be appealing to you if you move your body and or if you are a coach who coaches people who move their body. So without further ado, let's dive in. The FitzPro Podcast is your no BS approach to seeking out truth in the world that is online health and fitness. You'll see through the lens of the trainer, the trainee, and the entrepreneur. I'm your host, Annie Miller, certified strength and conditioning specialist, entrepreneur, lover of sleep, lattes, and dinosaurs, aka not your average FitzPro. And my aim is to help you grow your mind, body, and business through knowledge and authenticity so that you too can become a FitzPro. If you do happen to be a coach, I have two different things for you. So check out my peer programming course. It is a 12 to 13 week, depending on how quickly you go through it. Programming course for strength and hypertrophy, long-term periodization. Make sure to check that out. Go to anniemiller.co backslash pure dash programming. And then if you are an entrepreneur as well, make sure you check out my free on-demand workshop, Your Biz, Your Way, Three Steps to Build a Profitable Online Health and Fitness Business at anniemiller.co backslash work workshop dash register. Again, that is free. Peer programming is not free. Although I do hope to create a workshop at some point that leads into peer programming that is valuable, whether you join peer programming or not, just to get you started with setting up long-term periodization and being much more efficient with your programming as a coach. So keep an eye out for that at some point in 2023. I would also like to thank Legion Athletics, the sponsor of this podcast. They are the number one brand of all natural sports supplements in the world. When I say all natural, I really mean it. There's no extra crap in their supplements. They're very straightforward. They have hundred percent formula transparency, meaning you can see all the ingredients and also the dosages, which is so important because something can have the ingredient. Um, but if they're making a claim of something that that ingredient does, it's very important to know at what dosage does it have that effect. Legion does that for you. You can view the studies and peer-reviewed literature behind each product on their site. Um, If you are skeptical, which I understand with supplements, they have a 100% money-back guarantee and free shipping. Go to buylegion.com, B-U-Y legion.com. Use code Annie at checkout for 20% off your first order. So I remember saying, if you don't know my background at all, um, I wanted to be a collegiate strength and conditioning coach. That is what I went to college for. That is where I got my exercise and sports science degree. That's why I got it. That's why I became a certified strength and conditioning specialist. Um, But I went in a different direction after having experience in that field. So I remember saying during my internship at University of Portland to the head coach, I don't know sports. Like I don't know positions. I don't know what people do on the court. So I questioned my ability to be a strength coach. And Bradford Scott was the head coach at the time. He essentially said to me that we are more so in the business of optimizing the functionality of the human body and training sports. And that resonated with me so much more than anything ever in my entire life. We are in the business of optimizing the functionality of the human body for training sports. 
that's what drew me to strength and conditioning in the first place. For me, it was the human body and the physiology in general, muscles, um, metabolism, how to make the body function better, how to change the body, how to manipulate the body through science. I think it's fascinating. It's what drew me to this profession. And that is what I have observed a lot of back in 2022 via different sporting events. I did actually consider early in my fitness training career, getting into the niche of strength and conditioning for MMA athletes. If you don't know what that is, it's mixed martial arts. So I have been a fan of um, mixed martial arts since, or MMA since I was 16 or 17. And I know that's a little strange, especially maybe for a female. Um, There was a couple of fighters locally that Nathaniel, my husband, used to be training partners for, and they fought in the UFC. So that kind of brings us to the first observation that I have made. Sporting events that have changed or challenged or encouraged my view of strength and conditioning have been the UFC watching the Olympics and the CrossFit games over the past 10 to 20 years, which is insane to say this episode is drawing some broad stroke conclusions from my observations of all of these high performing events. Number one is mobility is king. I've mentioned this on other podcast episodes, but the Olympics had a large part in challenging my view of the human spine and keeping a neutral spine in the role of spinal mobility in that that plays in the body's ability to move as a unit overall, that the spine should be mobile. That really challenged me because after my um, disc injury from squatting, I was very much so like neutral spine, rigid spine, rigid core. Um, And I actually lost a lot of the mobility that I should have had in that experience in the Olympics, watching the Olympics, watching the athletes, watching how they move really made me question kind of my current philosophy back then. And we will expand on the idea today of mobility in general being king, in my opinion, on the movement side. Your aerobic base for fitness is king on the fitness and conditioning side of things. The more aerobically fit you can be, the more you can build upon that. So if you have that, especially in a sport, if you have a high aerobic base in a sport, then fatigue is not something you have to worry about right? Then you can focus on the skill aspect, the tactic, the strategy. So mobility is king in the movement side of things, right? Joint and muscle talking in that realm. We see this across the CrossFit games, certainly in the Olympics, and most definitely in mixed martial arts, especially in jujitsu or other forms of grappling. The more mobile you are, um, and again, that's not flexible, that's mobile. So controlling your end ranges, the more of an advantage you may have. Where someone lacks mobility often leads to compensations and potentially injuries. Having mobility through your end ranges and the ability to control it is a very, very big strength in most sports. End of story there. It's an advantage more often than not. And do not, again, mistake mobility for uncontrolled flexibility. That is an injury risk as well. That is not what I'm talking about. The next time the Olympics rolls around, I want you to look for mobility. Remember this episode when you watch the Olympics, or if you do watch the UFC or any kind of grappling or um, the CrossFit games or even follow CrossFit athletes, look for mobility throughout the entire body. In in sport, uh, in the Olympics, look for it in discus or javelin or even rowing. Obviously in gymnastics and other like acrobatic events, you're going to see it very obviously, but also in other extreme sports like snowboarding how mobile the body has to be. That's number one. Mobility is king. It's rarely a negative thing to have optimal mobility. 
The next one is train explosiveness. As someone who is a huge fan of programming of tempo, moving slowly oftentimes, we think of tempo as slowing down movements with intent, but we can also use tempo to encourage and train explosiveness. Tempo is just the speed at which you go through the different phases of whatever exercise you're doing. So being able to explode and respond to things rapidly is an element of athleticism. It's a huge element of athleticism. If you want to feel like an athlete for life, then training explosiveness and things like reaction time will definitely keep your nervous system feeling young. In addition to that mobility piece, moving slow is important more often than not, People do need to slow down, I would say, more often than not, but moving quickly is also important in reaction time and control within that reaction time. Um, It does not need to be feared. I think plyometrics and explosiveness is often feared, and I do think there needs to be a base before you do those things, but I also do think that there is a way to incorporate um, explosiveness without necessarily even plyometrics that are safe that would benefit people. Adding in speed ladders to your warmup can be a fun way to do this or intentionally using box jumps supersetted with deadlifts, uh, even more jump rope, right? These are ways to get springiness, explosiveness, plyometrics um, into your training. In the upper body, we can use counter movement push push pull exercises on a pulley system or with bands. It doesn't have to be a plyometric push-up. It just needs to involve speed and intent of speed, moving quickly, right? A faster tempo, specifically on the concentric part of the movement or when the muscle is shortening. We can absolutely train the adaptation of power production as opposed to force production or in addition to force production, as well. So force doesn't involve uh, time as an aspect of it, whereas power does. So think of force production as being strength, whereas time and speed are not a factor, but they are in power. Again, this is something that I did a lot of early in my strength training. I would do some kind of plyometric before my, I say plyometric, I would do some kind of explosive speed training before my strength training. I was also Olympic lifting at the time. So speed and power was kind of built into my programming. But over the years, I nearly removed all of it from my personal programming with more of a strength or bodybuilding focus. So watching these events has kind of uh, sparked that need for power and agility back into programming for myself and for my clients. So for me, postpartum, uh, at some point in 2023, I will definitely add explosiveness and, and put that back into my training somehow, some way. I think that it is something that we naturally use in play as children and obviously in sports. And then it often just kind of dwindles from our forms of exercise as we age. And that's not necessarily a good thing. So look for ways to add explosiveness into your training if, you, if you've kind of let that go, whether intentionally or not. The next one is that bodies often do choose the sport. This is maybe controversial. Um, I don't really care. There is a a give and take here. I do think that training in certain ways for certain sports does influence the physique, obviously, because the body is going to adapt to whatever training stimulus we give it. And oftentimes your natural frame and musculature does choose which sports you are going to be best at. It gives you a natural advantage, especially when looking at elite performance. So swimmers are, you know, broad in the shoulders with long limbs, long bodies in general. There is a reason that most elite swimmers have similar builds. It's not because they they swim, it's because they were given the physique that allows them to excel at swimming. 
Again, I am not saying that people are 100% restricted to a sport based on their bio-individuality, but I do think there is a component that can't be ignored in many cases. And certainly the training influences the physique as well. But if you were built to be a swimmer, you're likely not going to be an Olympic shot putter, if that makes sense. That's all I'm saying. Genetically, we, we all have predispositions towards how much endurance we have versus how much power we can produce. We know this, and I think it's fascinating. You see this most clear, I think, actually in the CrossFit games where we have athletes excel at different movements and different exercises based on their genetics, which kind of leads me to the last observation, which is the hybrid athlete is more achievable than ever. I saw this in MMA years before I was even in the CrossFit world or observing CrossFit. Even in college, we talked about how mixed martial arts marries the demand for endurance right? For that massive, massive aerobic base. If you've ever done any kind of mixed martial arts, it's freaking exhausting um, from an aerobic standpoint. So it mixes that demand for endurance as well as repeated power output, especially with sparring or any kind of boxing. And that perhaps we can achieve both of these things that challenged what I was learning in school uh, at the time that I kind of had this realization. And it's just it continues to become more accepted, I think, uh, as the years go on, as the industry progresses, that the hybrid athlete is more achievable than ever, that we can have endurance and we can have strength. And maybe that that's a lot more attainable. Maybe that spectrum is a lot larger and that it's a, it's a bigger threshold than maybe we previously thought as far as like endurance ruining strength. Uh, I think it's become pretty well known in the last five years or so that the body's ability to adapt to and retain endurance-based adaptations and power-based or strength-based adaptations depends more on the recovery and being sure enough to fuel the body um, and making sure that you're taking in enough fuel, protein, carbs, and recovering in order to actually get the desired adaptations from both of those ends of the spectrum, the endurance and the power or the strength has a lot more to do with what we're doing in addition to training than the training itself. We now see in CrossFit, uh, you know, the six minute mile on repeat while also expressing very, very impressive maximal strength and power output in the same season in the same person. So yes, if an athlete only trained power or strength, they could likely get to a slightly stronger or power, more powerful output um, than if they were training endurance as well. And on the flip side, if they were only training for a marathon, yes, you know, they could probably run faster for longer and their strength would take a hit. But I think that again, that middle ground is a lot more attainable than maybe we used to think. For the most part, the hybrid of endurance and strength or power is more achievable than ever. And I see that through different Olympic sports, definitely in CrossFit, undoubtedly. I mean, that is CrossFit and certainly in MMA. So don't be afraid to mix training modalities this year for fear that one is going to take away from the other. Likely not going to happen. Likely not going to happen, especially if you are eating enough resting and making sure you are recovering from both of these things. That is all I have for today's episode. Um, please give it five stars, leave a written review if you enjoy what you hear here. It just supports the podcast. It gets it in front of more people um, and it's it's free. So please do if you do enjoy <laughs> what I put out here. Um, if you are not on my main mailing list, I have two options, Annie's Weekly Wisdom and Annie's Daily Dose. I won't spam you. 
you get what you sign up for. There are podcast listener discounts at the bottom of every episode, so or at the bottom of every email. So be sure to sign up for that at annymiller.co slash news. Until next time, I am Annie Miller, and thank you so much for listening to the Fitzpro podcast. <laughs>